Beware, this is what they've been pushing for. They want to de-arm the citizenry. They want to take your right away to defend yourself from the state. And they also want to make sure that if you're, you know, if you're a woman, you got to go to war. I mean, where... <laughs> everybody and welcome back to another episode of Tea with Taylor. As always, thank you for joining me. I hope my content brings you some value. If it does, please consider like, sharing, and subscribing. So in this episode, I want to discuss the recent bill that passed the House, the National Defense Bill uh, for 2022, as well as just bills in general. So if you didn't know, this bill that passed the House and about 100 Republicans voted for it as well, it was over 1300 pages long how on earth do the people voting for these bills know what is in these bills it's unacceptable it's it's unacceptable that our representatives in the house and the senate our legislator that are to write the laws that we then have to abide by are think it is okay for them to vote on a bill that is hundreds of pages, and in this case, over a thousand pages long. As the Declaration of Independence so beautifully said, that they, as the government, derives their just powers by the consent of the governed. The governed is us. That is us giving them consent. How do we give consent to a bill that is hundreds of thousands of pages long, costing billions of trillions of dollars? There's no way that we can consent to it. And of course we elect these representatives to then vote on our behalf, but we don't even know what they're voting for. We don't even, they don't even know what they're voting for. Not only do they not, they're not able to read and comprehend the whole bill, they don't even write it. It's written by lawyers and lobbyists and then voted on by the ignorant compromised politicians. And then they package it to us that it was urgent. They had to vote on it because if they didn't vote on it, put this, catastrophe there would happen. So we just have to accept it that they had to vote on this hundreds, in this case, thousand page bill that will cost us God only knows because blank. And it's like, no, maybe in our case, Republicans don't vote on it. You shouldn't vote on a bill that you don't even know what's in it. And you shouldn't compromise on things because you have to because or else this will happen. This is not how we are supposed to be governed. For one, it is supposed to be difficult to pass things. That's how when they orchestrated our constitution, which took many years, it was to resist the, the easy legislation and putting further and further more control over the public. Our constitution is to limit the power of the government, not the people. Yet these bills, definitely hinder our ability to do something and it costs us if not it actually always costs a lot of money it'll cost us a lot of money and our freedoms and when when they were coming up with that when our founders were coming up with our constitution i don't know if many of you may know this so our deck we declared independence in 1776 but our constitution wasn't written until a decade later in 1787 and it put into effect until 1789 so it took many years and deliberation and debate to come up with our constitution. And, and among that, during the time of deliberation, the states of the Commonwealth were, nego or were debating amongst themselves. And I thought, I really liked this. In the Pennsylvania constitution in 1776, 
They put, all bills of public nature shall be printed for the consideration of the people before they are read in general assembly the last time for debate and amendment. So bills are to be written for the consideration of the people. The people are the people that they present, they represent. The people are the ones that give them consent on how they can govern us. Do you think a 1300 page bill is written for consideration of the people? It's, it's unacceptable. It, it honestly frustrates me that they think that this is okay. We have these ominous bills that are a deliberate infringement on our rights as people, our right to be knowledgeable of what laws and regulations that our government is passing, to know if our rights are even being respected, to know what laws are being passed, and you know, by the and how much they're going to cost because we pay for it. And not only do we pay for whatever it is that they pass, we pay for the politicians who pass the bills, and then we pay for the government officials who have to enforce the bills. And the more rules and regulations and laws and bills that are passed, that means more laws to be enforced, which means more enforcement from police, which means more police and citizen confrontation. You see how all of these are tied together and impact one another. And I believe it to be insulting that our representatives think that it's okay <laughs> and that it's so normal now for them to pass bills that are so long in length that we don't even question it. We don't even bat an eye. It's just, it's just the means of business nowadays. And it's totally unacceptable. Hundreds of pages, if not thousands of pages, hundreds of rules and regulations, new laws means new enforcement. And, you know, at a small cost of only maybe a couple billion to a trillion dollars, courtesy of the American taxpayer, which is us. So this would be my proposal. Now, I'm not in the government, thankfully, but I think it is important that something should be passed on how they can vote and how these bills can be presented and the length at to which they can be, how long they can be. So I would have each bill can be no longer than 10 pages long. Each section of the bill can only be one page long and that they have to be presented and available to the public 72 hours before they are voted on so the public can have visibility and knowledge of what their representatives are voting on and a say in what they are voting on. And then we know that our representatives that are voting on these bills know what's in them. They don't know what's in a thousand page bill and no, one, no one's gonna convince me otherwise. And in that case, they can write it. They can sit by the person that writes it if they don't write it themselves. 10 pages, one, each section, one page long. If, it's, if you can't sum it up in a page, it shouldn't go into law because that's way too much infringement on our rights and the way we live our lives. And obviously that's not the case, but I think that would be in, I think hopefully that would be bipartisan, at least from the people, because we wanna know what it is that our government is passing. We wanna make sure that they know what is passing and we wanna make sure that all this legal jargon and that we're giving up too much. We, we don't even, then it's not even like, like I was saying, the expense isn't even just in whatever it costs when they're, pa they're um, passing these bills or the cost of the bill itself. Well, now enforcing it and us live, having to abide by these things in our daily life will add additional cost to whatever it is that we're doing, if not just the cost of our freedom in general.
So I want to go over this a few things that were brought to my attention in this bill. The first being the red flag law. So there was a red flag law in this bill that over 100 Republicans voted for. And a few of them were Dan Crenshaw, um, what's his name, Matt Gates, um, Madison, Cawthorn or whatever, you know, all these Republicans voting for red flag laws. So red flag laws was in the bill and it's on page 297 of like 1300 pages. I had to like find an article to figure out where it was and then search for it. And so it says, it says restrictions on access to firearms. Like I said, 297 of the bill. Number one, in general, notwithstanding any other provisions of law, A, a military court protective order issued on an ex parte basis shall restrain a person from possessing, receiving, or otherwise accessing a firearm. Now, mind you, this is for our military personnel, but it doesn't matter. They still have constitutional rights and we know it's going to start with the military and then it's going to come to the population and um, the citizenry writ large. And I just want to make sure that you understand this because I didn't know this at, far, at first. When it says order issue on an ex parte basis, what is that? An ex parte of or relating to an action taken in a legal proceeding by one party without the present the presence or participation of the opposing party. So they don't even need, if you're, if this is being facilitated upon you, they don't even need you to be present in order to obtain this withstanding for you to access your God-given right of your second amendment of your firearm. And it also says a military court protective order issued after the person to be subject to the order has received notice and opportunity to be heard on the order shall restrain such persons from possessing, receiving, or otherwise accessing a firearm in accordance with section 922 of title 18. So in that way, they're saying that you had to be, you had to receive notice and given the opportunity to be heard, but you haven't been convicted of a crime in either of these cases. Number A, you don't even have to be present. Number B, you had to be, give the opportunity to be heard, but you weren't convicted for a crime. So you're being prosecuted or punished before ever being convicted. So instead of innocent until proven guilty, you're guilty until proven innocent, and they just took your Second Amendment and your God-given right for you to protect yourself with a firearm. That is unacceptable. And it is in a 1,300-page bill on page 900 and, uh, 297. This is, what, this is how our representatives think that they can govern us. This has been going on for far, far, far too long. I'm only 27. And I'm now, you know, becoming aware of this. And I'm just, I'm flabbergasted that we've allowed this for, for so long. And... Like I said, this is right now for, it's a defense spending bill, so it's for our military personnel, but we know <laughs> that's just the first step. And even with the military, it's like, okay, who, who are they to take away their firearm and why? Is it because the same with the people that aren't accepting mandated vaccinations that they are going to be discharged from the military? And now that they're discharged from the military, they're going to not allow them to access their firearms because they're honorably or dishonorably discharged, they didn't obey orders. So if you don't submit to the government and what they want you to do, you can now 
have your ability, your right to a firearm stripped away from you. And we know historically and definitely today, many of these things will be wielded against political adversaries. So if you voted for a certain president, if you attended a certain event, if you don't get vaccinated, are you then going to have these rights stripped away? This is something we have to take very seriously and it is unacceptable that Republicans voted for it. And it is unacceptable that it was drowned on page almost 300 of a 1300 page bill. It's incredible. And now let me, let me just read you our second amendment for you because obviously our rights were given to us by God, not man, meaning not our government. So our second amendment, a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed, shall not be infringed. It is this amendment, which is why it's number two, it is to provide us a safeguard against our government. Our founders were in the process of a revolution against the, the largest world power at the time. And they knew the importance of being able to defend yourself against the government. And that doesn't mean like there was not to be any, any um, regulation that you couldn't have the same military equipment as the government. You were to have the equipment of the government because it is to keep and secure a safe state. Sure, it's for a personal, you know, personal safety and you want to defend yourself. But the specific reason which our founders understood was to defend ourselves from the state the government, and it shall not be infringed. And like I said, our rights were given to us. They were enshrined in our constitution that acknowledged the, the rights that we believe to be self-evident that were given to us by God. And that is our right to protect ourselves and our right to defend ourselves from a government and a tyrannical government ever increasingly so. So not only was their red flag laws in that bill, which is our, those representatives, those Republican, Republican representatives need to speak for it and the voters need to take note on that. Um, they also included women in the draft. So I know like this new feminist movement that women and men were all the same. What's the difference? What's biology? It's just a figment of our imagination. I can't keep up. But now in, in fairness, oh, <laughs> now in fairness, in equality, in the name of equality, women will have to go, they will be added to a draft if we were to ever have one. So this is page 225, that of military service, section three should be amended. And it says expanded registration to all Americans. Section 3A is amended by striking out male citizen and inserting citizen by striking out male person and inserting person, by striking out present himself and inserting appear, by striking out so long as he and inserting so long as such, um, is amended by striking out enlisted men and inserting enlisted persons, by striking out race and color and inserting race, color, sex, or gender, by striking out enlisted men and inserting enlisted persons, by striking out accrue to him, inserting accrue to such. By striking out other than wives alone, except in case of extreme hardship, 
by striking wives and children and inserting spouses and children. They really just wanted to add us to the draft, given that we ever had to. And in the beginning, I didn't say this, but regulations prescribed pursuant to the subsection shall include methods to convey to every person required to register the obligation for military service in the event of a military draft. So in the event of a military draft, women would be expected to be drafted given this, because you can't put men, you have to put persons to be inclusive. Well, I will start off by being biased, and I wouldn't say this is being biased. I think it's a moral responsibility that men have the biological, because I, I believe that there are biological truths and roles for a society to function, and men's biological role in a society to, to function, and a moral obligation is to defend and protect women and children. I don't want to go on a draft. Now, I hope we don't go to war, and I hope there's no draft, but like, I'm not trying to find a draft. So you feminists who want, you, you, like you guys, can you sign up on my behalf? Because like, you're not speaking about, you're not speaking for all women because no. And you think China and Russia aren't smiling ear to ear? Like, oh, America wants equality even in their military services that like men and women have the same representation because Bear with me, biology is real. Men are stronger than women and they should be the ones to fight. They should be the ones in our military. Now, if a woman wants to volunteer to be in the military, good for you and thank you for your service. But overall, our, like, our military should be men and it should be strong, competent men. Just like when we're, cause you know, GOP, like world politics, if this actually, if we had to go to a war with China or if there's things like Russia or any anything, they are putting their strong men to fight. The, when we are, like we are, society is purposefully destroying the biological truths of biology. Though that men and women are different. They have different roles in society and there's objective truth to that. And if we are going to literally get to the point where we are risking our national security by looking at equality in our military service over competence, God help us. So I just wanted to bring those two things out in the bill. Now, who knows what else is in the bill because it's 1300 pages long. I was just seeing some chatter about these things. So I'd have to, I literally was researching a bunch of articles to try and see what section it was in this 1300 page bill. And it's just, it's totally unacceptable from the way that the bill is presented, the way it's voted on and the things that are inclusive in it. And the fact that Republicans voted not only on red flag laws, which is a infringement on our rights, even though it's not to the citizenry yet. And of course, there's only passed the house, but beware, this is what they've been pushing for. They want to de-arm the citizenry. They want to take your right away to defend yourself from the state. And they also want to make sure that if you're, you know, if you're a woman, you got to go to war. I mean, where, where, where's America's moral standing? Where is our moral standing in the world? That we believe in freedom. We believe in the right to say what we want, to freedom of speech, to defend ourselves with the Second Amendment, that we have the right to protect ourselves and it shall not be infringed. 
that we have the right to bodily autonomy, to choose what we put into our bodies, that we have the right to run our businesses as we see fit, that we have the right and the moral obligation to defend women and children in our society, and that men are to be our protectors and leaders. We have, we have gone astray. We have lost ourselves. This is not only a battle of ideas. It is, it is a battle for the soul. And man, I know a lot of you guys think it's inconvenient. You don't really want to think about politics. You don't want, you, don't, you think I liked researching this for hours, trying to figure out what was in these bills. You think I enjoyed this? No, but I think it's my duty as a citizen to be aware of what's going on and take responsibility and to, to know what is going on with my government and how it is being run. That is our duty, our duty as citizens to, to be knowledgeable and to be and participate in what it is in the political society, the democracy that we say we have. It may be inconvenient and it's stressful and it's exhausting and honestly it's annoying and it can be infuriating at times and emotional, but it is your duty to know what is going on and to be knowledgeable of what is going on and to speak up when you don't agree with what is going on. Because if you don't, who else is? If it's not you, then who else is it supposed to be? And if you like the America that you grew up in, it's it's slipping away. So you can stay quiet and stay out of politics. And then when things hit the fan, even worse than they are now, was it worth it? I mean, like I said, this isn't something I, I enjoy. And I actually have quite a bit of different hobbies and I would prefer to read rather than, you know, read a, read a knowledgeable book than read a bill that my politicians passed to strip my rights away but I believe it is my moral duty and my duty to my country to know what is going on and to be educated and to take the slight inconvenience of my life. We became really selfish. All we care about is our, how we feel in our day to day. We just we can't bother ourselves with politics. Well, newsflash, politics runs your lives from the way you run your business to the way you apparently take medications, so it's time for you to be educated and get involved. As always, I hope this episode gave you some valuable information, some things for you to think about, potentially research, and if you found it valuable, consider liking and sharing. Thank you for joining me as always. I appreciate it, and I'll see you guys again soon. Talk to you later. God bless. God bless you. God bless America, and God bless the people fighting for freedom. See you guys later.